Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Dilma Rousseff, second president to be impeached in Brazil's 31-year-old democracy. Will this lead to a shift in policy? Brazilian stocks down today, led by a drop in commodities companies. Investors are turning their attention. They want to see concrete signs that the economy is going to be improving after Ms. Rousseff leaves office, and uh, Michael Tamer, her former vice president, takes over. Mario Marconini joins us now. He's managing director for Teneo Intelligence in Latin America. In fact, he's in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Mario, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kathleen. So, Mario, first of all, what is the mood? What is the reaction among people you talk to? Well, I think the, the first reaction is, is, um, is relief, you know, because people are kind of... Um, fed up with the whole process. I mean, this has been nine months of a process since it got started, of course, since it was, you know, authorized by the Speaker of the House uh, back in December of last year. So this is a long time for this. It went through the House, went through the Senate. You finally got to the end of it. So that, that's the first thing, is, is relief and, and the hope that you can just begin to govern, you know, because since the second mandate, which started in 2015, we have not had much of a government, so. It's just so, to me, it's so ironic because Brazil was flying high. You know, Enrique Cardoso left, and um, then Lula da Silva took over, and the same with, 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 certainly with Cardoso, the, the, the foundation was there for growth and low inflation and investment. Lula da Silva carried things on. And what happened with Dilma Rousseff? Was it her fault? Was it her lack of, of good policy? Or would things just turn enough that she was the one who got caught with the uh, wrong chair or no chair when the music stopped? Yeah, I, I, think, I think, unfortunately, I think it was utter incompetence. I mean, uh, I think uh, Lula, uh, when he chose the successor, he could never have imagined that she could make such a mess out of the economy and that she could be such a disaster politically as well because she didn't speak to anybody. She didn't talk to Congress. She made enemies all over the place, including her own government, uh, and so it was, it was really difficult. Uh, and, and frankly, I think the order of things is that I think Lula did uh, pretty well in the first mandate. The second half of him, his mandate, you have the global financial crisis, and then he, they began, on, uh, you know, with Keynesian policies, you know, growth policies to make sure that Brazil uh, would, uh, would uh, stay on course, and, and that worked. Uh, the economists even picked it up, uh, but the fact is that when she came in, in 2010, she, she basically thought that was that was forever. You're just supposed to be spending money without any limits, uh, and that was completely wrong. Obviously, you know, you cannot even do social policy just by dishing out money without having it. And so, this is really the main mistake. It was, it was just, uh, th and that's the beginning of it. Not to mention all the charges that were real, that were constitutional. You know, the Constitution does talk about the the responsibility for all the fiscal accounts on the part of the president. And uh, it was all very clear, very institutional, very legal. Uh, but, but that was the beginning of it. I think, yeah, I think it was a shame. Uh, and for a lot of people, I think it would have been natural for you to have 
the institutions, the, the, you know, the privatization, whatever you had with Cardozo, then you had Lula with the social inclusion, but understanding what macroeconomics was about. So what was really a shame is how the, how the whole thing derailed was all of a sudden she forgot what macroeconomics was or mm-hmm. didn't understand yeah. any of it and threw the country under the bus. Basically, oh. that's what happened. Well, okay. So um, there were, some would say these allegations of breaking budget laws, other elected officials have kind of, you know, they've fudged, they've cheated a bit, but they weren't brought to impeachment by it. But as you say, people didn't like her and she was mismanaging the economy. It's understandable how this could be used against her. Now, um, Michael Tamir, the vice president who's now president, uh, our Bloomberg story written from um, from Sao Paulo from Brasilia says, a lot of people view him as part of the same political establishment they have come to distrust. Is he the right guy or is it going to take yet another president to get Brazil back on track? No, I think, I think to get back on track, uh, he's been, uh, I must say, I, I find that he is, uh, you know, the best you could get for, for the, the current situation, considering all the, the ramifications and who happened to be at the vice presidency. The fact is, he was never, you know, a major part of, the, of Dilma's government. She didn't consult him. He was not really involved in any policy making. And the fact is, since he has come in uh, when she was suspended, you know, once uh, you got to that point in the impeachment uh, process, he already came in with a total different view. Basically, you know, he wants to privatize. He wants to, 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 to deal with the fiscal uh, disarrangement that we have. He has been doing so. He has the right finance minister. He has the right central bank uh, president. And I think uh, markets are still very optimistic, and I think they should be, that at least we have the instruments with which to do what is necessary. I think the, the, the risk and the signpost you have to watch, of course, is going to be Congress, because a lot of the stuff you need to do, starting with, uh, with a spending cap, which is something that he's been announcing since the beginning. There's a lot of support for it, for those who understand economics and who can see what is needed for the country. Uh, that has to go through Congress, so that's what we need to watch. Between now and October, we're going to have the campaign and then the, the municipal elections, so it's kind of difficult to to vote. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, until the end of the year, I think he will be able to vote on a spending cap, which is which is going to be unbelievable, actually, as a, a signal of, of commitment with uh, fiscal responsibility. Marco Marconini, thank you so very much. Fiscal responsibility, what Brazil needs now. Joining us from LATAM in, uh, Intelli- at Tenedo Intelligence, this is Bloomberg. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.